0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats, because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients, So send your questions to ask Lisa at drlisademore.com. In this episode we talk about helping kids stay active and eat well. So I went golfing this week. You did? I haven't golfed in 20 years. And it was a clinic. Um, It was me and my girlfriend, Jofi, and about a dozen men over the age of 62 who have (laughs) golfed for two decades, essentially. And we get there, and they say, pull out your wedge and pull out the putter. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at the golf bag. We have no clue which one's the wedge and which one's the putter. Oh, man. Golf is having its moment, I think, as one of the
1: very few socially distanced things it's that great. works
0: really well. I'm Absolutely. determined to learn how to play. I've signed the kids up as well to learn how to play. And it got me thinking, because, you know, winter, unfortunately, is coming. And we're stuck in the house. You don't get a lot of opportunities out. And it got me thinking, how do you get kids active, stay active? And as I was thinking about this, I was reading through some of the questions that were are already getting in. And one listener sent this question. I want to pose it to you. It says, I have a lovely tween girl who just turned 12. She used to be quite active in dance and basketball, but since the pandemic, she's resisted participating in any meaningful physical activity. She rolls her eyes at bike rides or walks. And when I mention that she needs to get up and move for the good of her heart and her mind, she reacts as though we're implying that she's fat or ugly. But just put in, we just put in a new pool and she even resists swimming much of the time. I'm a mom who never complains or talks about my own body. And when I exercise, I'm careful to frame it around health and longevity, not beauty. I just want her to be happy and healthy. I certainly don't want her feeling like we want her to physically change appearance. What can we do? Oh,
1: man, this is a great question. And it's got so many layers and so much detail to it. I'm really grateful uh, to the listener who sent this in, both because it's A critically important question, and I also know it's a question a lot of parents have right now about how they help kids be active
0: but not make the whole thing weird, (laughs) which is really hard to do. I mean, how do you get kids to be active if they don't want to be active? It's difficult because…
1: They've lost all of the normal activity of a lot of their lives, you know, the going places. And I think as adults have, too, you know, where we used to drive places and then you walk across the parking lot or you're at your office and you're trucking up and down the hall. So there's been such a disruption to the normal course of events and the ways that we're active. And people feel kind of down and people may not feel like they've got good access to the kinds of ways they used to be active. So it's a bit of a setup for families and this mom, you know, it, it's so thoughtful the way she asks in that she, she mentions that she, she doesn't make it about weight or food or appearance and is really trying to get at the idea that this is part of being healthy and part of what we need to do. And she runs smack into a 12-year-old, and this is like this is what makes 12-year-olds awesome and also complicated, <laughs> who's like, you're making it about my body and my looks. And, and so then this poor mother feels stuck, <laughs> because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this 12-year-old has found a very effective way to reframe the conversation so that her mother feels that she can't press it forward. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing.
0: What really—I love how the mom says she doesn't make it about her own body. She's careful about phrasing it that way, but— What happens? Like every day I take at least a couple walks a day. It it really clears my mind. Something as basic as walking. Why is that physical activity so important for the mind? Oh, man, it's a good one. I think
1: that there's something really powerful that occurs when we move. I I know it sounds so basic, but that idea of moving. And the way I go at it is, we are fundamentally designed to move. Humans are not designed to stay in place. And part of the challenge for us and our kids in the context of this pandemic is how much more hemmed in we all feel. Yeah, And so we need to move. And so then to get to this question that you asked, and, and that you know on behalf of this mom and with this mom about, so what does she say to her kid? And how do they get out of this impasse where the mom's like, you need to move. And the kid's like, you're making it about my appearance. And the mom feels stuck. One way to get out of that impasse is for the parent to say, look, you got to move. It's part of being human. You got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to move. You got to go to the bathroom. Like these are just, you know, that comes with the territory. But how you move, I'm willing to negotiate. So I'm not going to tell you, you got to get in the pool. I'm not going to tell you, you got to come do workouts with me. But you moving is the non-negotiable. So come up with how you're going to move, run some options by me, and we'll come to something that makes sense to
0: both of us. Why is that so important? Like I told the kids, you guys are golfing this semester, like that's what we're doing. And they kicked and screamed, they're not into it. Why is it so important to give them that out? Because
1: they're kids, and especially if they're teenagers, they do not like to be told what to do. Mm. And you can get away with this. This is actually a really funny thing in development. You can usually get away with this until about age 10. Like the nice thing about kids under the age of 10 usually is if you're like, go do this. And they're like, I don't want to. And then you're like, go do this or I'll get mad. They're like, "Okay, fine. Um, (laughs) And then it's how it goes. And then at 11, almost literally, it feels like to some parents, overnight, kids move into adolescence which is often earlier than people expect. People think, oh, teenager, I've got until they're 13. No, no, no. Adolescence begins at 11. It has always begun at 11. I want to get, you know, airplanes and fly banners behind the airplanes. Adolescence begins at 11. Um, And so what happens is they go into their room, they have a night's sleep, and they wake up the next morning. They're an adolescent. This is really what it feels like. And the parent says, go do this. And the teenager's like, I don't want to. And the parent's like, go do it or I'll get mad. And the kid's like, well, now I'm definitely not doing it. Mm, so it's just, just what interesting. happened.
0: So we have to change tactics in those moments. So if you like, so my kids right now are, are eight and nine, right? So we're nearing that phase. Are there things you can do at an early stage, or even if your kids are 15 and 16, that can pivot the conversation to sort of get them to understand where you're coming from? Is it giving them those outs? I think it is saying,
1: look, there are things that have to happen here, Uh but I'll let you script how they happen. And then you actually have to tolerate what they choose. I can tell you right now, a lot of the activity kids are getting are TikTok dances. And that's activity. They are up, they are moving, they are wiggling their bodies, they're doing it repeatedly. (laughs) And the challenge for grownups is to appreciate that accounts, right. If you're letting your kid have TikTok, TikTok dances may be the way they are getting physical activity, and we have to respect that.
0: Do you have a TikTok account? I do not. I would love to see you do a TikTok dance. Oh, oh, and and put that up on our Instagram account. Would that be hysterical? That would be great. The Ask Lisa podcast account, but you know, as (laughs) much as TikTok is in the news for so many things, right? I I never thought of it as being great for the kids because (laughs) they're dancing on the app.
1: It's kind of funny, right, to think about it in <laughs> it's that crazy. Way. But they are moving; they are wiggling their bodies, and there's some new way that they do it every other week—some <laughs> wild new dance that they are trying to replicate, which is often pretty funny to yeah. watch them do.
0: Yeah. So, what would your advice be for this mom then? You know, giving her the out to tell her, her daughter what to do—you know, let let her daughter choose the physical activity. But then what?
1: Well, so what we're moving into here is the transition into school and with that the day is going to I think for some kids become even more sedentary and for some kids it may become a a little bit more active you know depending on whether they're going to school in person or if they're doing it remotely or some hybrid. I think that for all parents the transition into the new pattern of the day also gives an opportunity to reboot how time is spent and what kids are doing physically. So the first thing the mom can do is say, look, this is a non-negotiable, but I will negotiate with you about how you're active. But now we're in a moment too where the patterns of the day are changing. And so maybe some possibilities open up.
0: Yeah. You know, this reminds me that I loved by the way your column in the New York Times last week that talks about your adolescent column Which you do monthly for the New York Times. It was titled something like the 2020 back-to-school list for teens Emotional well-being. Yeah, and you talk yeah. about the importance of routines which coincidentally a couple of weeks ago We were we were talking you're like, oh, I'm starting my routine I want to get everybody into the routines and I'm thinking oh my gosh, I won't even get into routine until like two weeks after the school year. <laughs> but why is that so important, Lisa, to establish those routines? Well, it's
1: funny because I have become actually sort of obsessed with routines this summer. This has become a very central focus of my thinking, quite to my surprise. that that In some ways I think like, ah, oh, it's kind of a, you know, it's a topic that's been around for a while. But something about the pandemic and the total disruption of our normal routines has made me really interested in the routines that we establish in the absence of what we had before. And so in that column, one of the things I recommend that teenagers and really everybody really needs is to take seriously what their routines are. But what's, what's tricky where people get stuck is that usually when we say routines, what people ma- imagine are like these like these rigid taskmasters of where your time is supposed to go. and And what I've started to really think about is, okay, our routine reflects our priorities. It reflects where we're putting our time, and if we're giving something time, it means that we've made it a priority, whether we're conscious of it or not. And so let's build the priorities into the routines. So for instance, this mom, wants her kiddo to be active, she herself is active. And so that needs to then be routinized. So part of where they could pivot this is to say, okay, school is starting and you're going to school, so you'll be walking to school, so good, there's activity in your routine. Or you're not going to school, so you're gonna be home sitting on your buns all day, we need to build activity into your routine. So the two things can come together And schedules can be made that account for things that need to happen, like sleep and routines and seeing friends safely, all of that. But that's where the opening comes to reboot
0: this conversation. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. Ask Lisa. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table for settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Just think of all that cash back you can get on those groceries. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today. So the future you will thank you for it. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side-by-side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? A getaway with the kids? A spa day for yourself? Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. And don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerd wallet, Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. Why are routines so important? Is it because like everything right now is just completely out of our control and it gives you a sense of control? Like wh- why do you feel that so strongly about having routines?
1: Well, that's part of it, right? That everything got just thrown into a blender. And at some level we need to actually take control back. So that's one piece of it. Another is that our old routines actually met a lot of needs that we didn't think about. So if your kid walked to and from school, the old routine put in a lot of activity. And I think for a lot of adults, our old routines are places where we saw friends or had sort of you know casual connections with people, like someone at the office we said hello to, or somebody at the coffee shop. My old routine gave me a lot more time alone when I was traveling, I'd have more privacy and time alone, and I've had to work in creating new routines to sort of create some space for myself because I took for granted, you know, how my old routine built in all these things that I needed.
0: You know what I mean. Like, you've your routine has changed very dramatically. Yeah, and I think you're also taking on, like, I wasn't cooking three meals a day for everybody, you know, worried about what to get them fed, you know, seven days a week, three meals a day. You know, but it actually got me thinking also, Lisa, about food, because that is now also part of our routines, you know, trying to talk to, I know, this listener didn't um, mention food, but, you know, talking to our kids about food, I can tell you just personally, my sugar intake has risen astronomically during this pandemic. If you want me to give away state secrets, just wave (sighs) Pepperidge Farm, (laughs) Mid-Milanos. You don't have to starve me. You don't have to torture me you will get them out. Like that has been my guilty pleasure. And I have decided, I know no one's said this, but I feel with the start of school, we are now phase two in this pandemic. And that's what I'm calling it, phase two. Mm-hmm. We need to hit the reset button. We need to figure out our activities, routines, and eating has been one of them. You know, trying to figure out meals that are not gonna make take me all day to cook, but I still mm-hmm. want them to to eat healthy how do i talk to them for instance about sugar intake like what's the conversation we need to have with them about food oh man this is so
1: big and so important and i think in most homes we are around food all day our yeah. kids are around food all day we're watching our kids eat they're watching us eat i mean it, it this has become very loaded in a lot of families and I want to get to that. But I, it's funny, I did not know that about you and Mint Milano's. I am so them. Addicted. <laughs> well, yeah. it's funny. So I've actually improved the quality of the cookies I bring home <laughs> since the pandemic began. And I'll say to my daughter, so I'm like, you want to know why we have nice cookies? Because we're in a pandemic. And so I brought home, I brought home Mint Milano's, which is not something I've usually bought. And so my younger daughter, who's nine, is actually hysterically funny. And, and she can make a mockery out of anything. Like that's our She recognizes this as being true of herself and enjoys this. And so I had the Mint Milanos. And I remember she was reading the back of the Mint Milano bag. And she's like, mint cream between two delightful wafers like she was reading it in this really funny way and i was like yep you can make a mockery out of anything even the good cookies i bring home so so that's how we're getting through the pandemic is my my hilarious kiddos your kids they're fun and they're fun. yeah they are so okay but so now we have mint milanos and we have tate's chocolate chip cookies and now we've discovered that tate's with white chocolate and macadamia nuts i mean like we are really um bringing our a game on the cookies so what do we do about that? Because now we have cookies all over the house. This is really, I think, one of the more delicate aspects of parenting is how we talk with kids about food and weight and sugar. And then you know that some of my long-form work is around girls. And and I know that parents feel like it's complicated with kids. And then when they get to their daughters, um, how to engage conversations around healthy eating or avoidance of foods that are not healthy – feel really, really delicate at best. So one way to walk up to this, I would encourage parents for themselves and their kids to not try to restrict food categories, to not ever refer to certain foods as bad or junk foods. And I know a lot of families do this and it doesn't turn out to be a problem as some of my work has moved up against the eating disorders yeah, world at yeah. times, and I've cared for kids with eating disorders. And all of my colleagues in the eating disorders world really avoid value judgments around food because kids can kind of latch to that, and some kids will take that way too far and start to become very, very rigid and only eat what they consider to be good or healthy foods. And that's a good thing if done in moderation but it can sometimes set kids down a path where they then restrict and then start restricting and restricting and restricting and end up moving into the eating disorder universe, which is not a universe you want your kiddo to dip a toe in. Yeah. So I love and have always loved what Sesame Street did with this, which is they came up with this idea of sometimes foods and anytime foods. Oh. And it's perfect, I think. So anytime foods are basically foods that are not processed. So, you know, chicken breasts and fruits and vegetables and things that have five ingredients or fewer and didn't come out of a factory, you know, those, that's anytime foods. And you can basically eat them anytime and not worry about your health and, in fact, know that you're getting a lot of nourishment. Sometimes foods are everything else. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) processed foods. And that is a really nice neutral way mm-hmm. to talk about food with kids, without starting to lay down lines of good, bad, or healthy, unhealthy. It's, it just—it's a useful strategy.
0: That's so interesting. I never. So you essentially don't say, okay, don't touch the Oreos. They're awful. They're full of dyes, or you know, whatever it, the, the the foods are that you think are not good. You're saying just make them aware but don't ban them or put negative connotation around it? Don't. Um, and, and I think if kids
1: say, well, why is it a sometimes food? Yeah. The language I find really useful is to say, they're kind of hard on our bodies. Like they taste really good, but they're sort of hard on your body. Your body is made to accommodate it, and your body can filter out what's in there. So you should enjoy them. <laughs> like, yeah, don't, you know. Yeah. But they're a little rough on your body. And so part of taking care of ourselves is to try to bend ourselves or spend more time eating the foods that actually help our body feel better, as opposed to our body needing to manage that food.
0: What if you're in the situation where your sometime food turns into your anytime food, and particularly <laughs> with sweets? Because you know that happens quite a bit with kids, especially, right? And adults, too. It does. And, and I mean, they taste so good. they <laughs> <Yes, laughs> The reason they I do. like sugar is
1: that it tastes so good. And they
0: provide comfort for some people.
1: They do. And, and people are bored and they got time on their hands. And um, we don't feel happy because things are kind of crummy right now. And so, you know, cookies and all of the stuff like them are more appealing than ever. So what I would say is that we want to be cautious about restricting it because the other thing on restricting stuff is I've seen kids then figure out how to sneak it and then yes. you get into that and that's not so fun. But a way to neutralize it a bit, if you have a kid who you feel is going to town on sweets and it's, it's gone too far, it's gone beyond the sometimes and as well into the anytime. One way that I like to do this is to say, look, your dad and I or your, you know, your other parent and I, we don't eat a lot of sweets. And we don't eat a lot of sweets. We enjoy them, but we don't eat a lot of sweets because they are hard on our body. And we really want to take good care of ourselves. And so we're going to ask you to not eat a lot of sweets for the same reason. And if if we're not eating a lot of sweets because it's not good for us, and we let you go to town on the sweets, that would be like we got in the car and we put on our seatbelt, but we didn't ask you to put on yours. And that... That neutralizes it and that gets it to a place where kids are like, oh, I can hear my stomach grumbling. (laughs) (laughs) That takes it out of a disagreement between the parent and child and turns it into the much more sort of -of matter-of-fact quality that we're here to take care of ourselves. And we take care of ourselves and we take care of you and we're going to ask you to take care of yourself also.
0: I think this is such a tricky conversation to have. And you know, for me, I truly, at the end of the day, I I do enjoy a little piece of dark chocolate, like 80% or higher, and the kids notice that. I think it's better than tequila every night.
1: (laughs) Definitely, I'm just gonna weigh right in on that. Yes, definitely a little bit of dark chocolate is better than tequila every night.
0: But what do you think, if there's one thing about food that parents should really be mindful of over the course of this fall and winter, what would you say? they should really focus on. I actually would
1: love for us to take this moment when we're all around the house and watching each other eat and have access to food all the time to help kids increasingly appreciate that their body has a regulatory system for knowing when and how much to eat. Because sometimes kids will be like, I'm bored, should I eat? And what I always like to have parents say to their child is, well, are you hungry? Okay, now my stomach is
0: actually grumbling. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, I think this conversation is making me hungry. I think when you talk about Mint Milano's a lot, everybody's stomach grumbles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love for parents to say, are you
1: hungry? That That's actually a great question for kids to be asking themselves if they're going to eat. Uh. And if the kid says, yeah, I'm hungry, but how much should I have, right? Then we say something like, well, how hungry are you? And I think sometimes kids can get caught on this idea of, like, it's mealtime, or I need a portion size, or this makes me really nervous from the clinical standpoint, worrying about calories. Yeah. i never like for anybody to be worrying about calories. And so the way that we can just redirect them all the time is to say, look, eat when you're hungry. Stop when you feel full. Your body lets you know. Your body has a system by which it alerts you to what you need. Follow your system. And that can be something that in the comparative quiet that we have in the pandemic, the time together, the ability to eat when hungry, that actually might be a nice thing in the pandemic is that we're not so locked into times where it's lunch so everybody stops and you eat, whether you're hungry or not. That may be something we can actually make good in this.
0: Yeah, I feel like so much revolves around food when you're stuck at home and everybody's hungry all the time. But you know, these are the good, good things to remember and good tips to have going forward.
1: Yeah, and and I think the bottom line on this is food is part of how we take care of ourselves. And it's part of how our kids take care of themselves. And rather than treating it as an enemy or something that needs to be regulated, I think we're all better off if we just let it be that. Part of how we take care of ourselves, sometimes by enjoying some treats, and the rest of the time by eating anytime foods.
0: Thank you, Sesame Street. (laughs) <laughs> yes. That was thank a great, I, I have to look that up. That's really great. <laughs> so, and thank you, Cookie Monster. <laughs> Cookie Monster. So, Lisa, what is your parenting to go this week? My parenting to go this
1: week is that there are some power struggles we can get into with kids where the kid actually has all the power. And we want to stay clear of those as parents. Food is one of them, other things are like homework or sleep. And in all of those, rather than trying to make our kid do what we want them to do, we always want to frame those moments, those times as where we are supporting them as they learn to take good care of themselves and take care of the things they need to do.
0: Thanks for joining us and be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop.